Welcome to the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast from the Institute of Transportation Engineers. Each month, we'll bring you conversations with thought leaders in transportation on the future of the industry. for joining us for another episode of the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast. I'm your host, Bernie Wagenblast. The Bipartisan Infrastructure Law established the new Safe Streets and Roads for All discretionary program with $5 billion in appropriated funds over five years. The SS4A program funds regional, local, and tribal initiatives through grants to prevent roadway deaths and serious injuries. The SS4A program supports the U.S. Department of Transportation's National Roadway Safety Strategy and its goal of zero roadway deaths. Our guest on this month's episode is Richard Montanez, the Deputy Commissioner of Transportation in the Department of Streets for the City of Philadelphia. Philadelphia was one of the successful applicants for an SS4A grant. Richard, welcome to ITE Talks Transportation. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, as I had mentioned in the introduction, we're going to be talking about the Safe Streets and Roads for All. And before we get into much more detail about what's going on in Philadelphia, why don't you tell us a little bit of what that is and how it relates to the city of Philadelphia, if you would, please. So the Safe Streets for All was a grant funding from Washington that we noticed that we could take advantage of. Uh, it was actually uh, something we could build on already in the city of Philadelphia. We were doing such things as neighborhood slow zones, what we call our version of complete streets, uh, where we were taking quarters as we were paving them, upgrading the street lights, making sure all the signage met the current standards, and just taking a look from a holistic point of view, our paving. I'm transforming our quarters at the time that needed transforming that may have not been seen proper city services for quite some time. We kind of uh, started Moving that way, and strangely enough, evolved to now say Streets for All. So it was a perfect marriage for us to go after these grants. Talking about the city of Philadelphia, every city, I guess, has its own unique challenges. What are some of the unique challenges that the city of brotherly love faces when it comes to making safe streets? I guess the biggest challenge that we have doing this is the way we do business now. Uh, when we come out to do these safe streets, we have community meetings. And in some cases, there's numerous community meetings. One quarter in particular that comes to mind, we had over 68 community meetings to try to make sure we got what the community was saying. So it was numerous times of going back to the drawing board. As you can imagine, running a capital project, running an operations Going back and starting all over again, it's quite troubling for us, especially when we're trying to pave the street and move on to the next street. But now we're planning these ahead. We're taking a more holistic point of view and we're going to the community early. We learn to go talk to them early on before we even think about this. And so the way I approach this is totally different now. I actually attend quality of life meetings with all the police captains throughout the city of Philadelphia. And that's how I get to know the neighborhoods, understand their concerns, understand what they are interested in, and and it helps me when I pitch my projects to them. Like most cities, Philadelphia has a, a central business district, Center City, but it also has a number of neighborhoods. Are the challenges different from neighborhood to neighborhood? And comparing the neighborhoods, the residential neighborhoods, 
with the business district? It is. I mean, Philadelphia is a city of neighborhoods. The neighborhoods are quite unique. They like their identity, and we appreciate that too. And I think it's something, at least us in streets, do like and do support. You know, Mayfair has its own neighborhood versus Main Street versus Roxborough versus Chestnut Hill. They all have their own identity. They all have their own characteristics. And we appreciate that. And those are the things we like to do is keep their own identity, keep their own feelings and help them out with that. So the work we do on Chestnut Hill may differ from Center City, but not by much. It's, It's whether we're paving a historic street, which is cobblestone in some neighborhoods versus just regular asphalt. Center City right now, Center City Business District, we're trying to get streeteries and restaurants open to promote the city. But we're doing that also in a lot of neighborhoods. We're going out to them and meeting with them individually and saying, hey, how can we help you out? What do you need to do? What's useful here? It's a daunting task, but I think it's a task that needs to be done, especially for the city of Philadelphia to come back after COVID to have a a good, strong economy. You talked a little bit about the historic streets, some of them being cobblestone. Obviously, Philadelphia goes back to colonial times. These were streets in some cases that were built with no expectation of the kind of traffic that we have today, the vehicles that we have traversing the roadways. Does that present some special challenges when you're dealing with streets that are historic in nature? They're not terribly wide. There's not a lot that you can necessarily do to make adjustments to the street itself, but you still have to maintain that colonial aspect of that historic aspect, if you will, on some of these streets. It is challenging. Those historic streets have very small sidewalks. They're three feet, most of them, and the houses are already intruding into the sidewalk. Uh, The cobblestones are not the most ideal place for you to bike, for you to push a stroller. But I think a lot of people, that's the characteristics that draw them to those areas. The people who live there prefer the way the streets look. The one good thing about cobblestones is it tends to drive the speeds down. So most the average speed of a cobblestone street is somewhere between five to seven miles per hour. So they do appreciate that. They do like that. And we like that. We we like our cobblestone streets. We prefer our cobblestone streets. And we dedicate a part of our paving funding to maintain them on an annual basis. Talking again, getting back to safe streets for all. How are you integrating Vision Zero and the safe system approach as you try to work and adjust and integrate all of this into the work that you're doing in Philadelphia? We're very fortunate in Philly that we have done a lot of groundwork and prep work, what I like to consider. You know, we have a Vision Zero master plan. We also have a complete street guidance that allows us to to go in and, and do this. We went in and, and started looking, overlaying our high injury network over high poverty areas and neglected areas where we saw, for example, that the streets hasn't been paved in over 20 years. And that is actually how we created the Safe Streets for All program. It was We went in, especially going after low-income areas, to show them that we're here for them. We're trying to help them out and as a way to introduce safer neighborhoods into them. This grant that you went after and received for Safe Streets for All was a competitive grant. What do you think convinced the officials that were making decisions that Philadelphia was worthy of being given 
this grant with all the other grants I'm sure they were receiving from around the country? I'm very fortunate to have a great team behind me, uh, excellent grant writers. They do an amazing job. I'm an engineer. I don't pretend to be a grant writer, so that's why I depend on those experts. But we're able to answer all the technicals. I think overall, the team effort that the city put out speaks for itself. I mean, if you just look at the grants we've gotten, if you go back to since the Tiger era, we started putting a grant team together and we go heavily after these grants. You know, the city of Philadelphia is a, is a very poor city. We do realize for us to improve the city, to do a lot of our capital improvements, we have to, we depend a lot on the state grants and the federal grants. And it was a good investment that we did by putting a team together to go after these grants. In just a moment, we'll be hearing more from Richard about how they plan to use the money from the SS4A grant in Philadelphia right after this. Do you want to reach more than 17,000 transportation professionals? Podcasts like this one are a great way to reach a dedicated audience of listeners. Sponsoring an ITE podcast is a cost-effective way to gain exposure and build brand awareness. ITE offers podcasts on key issues like safety, connected and automated vehicles, and transportation management systems and operations, ensuring your message is heard by the right people. For more information, contact Jill Andrew at the Wyman Company. Her email is J-A-N-D-R-E-U at the Wyman Company, W-Y-M-A-N dot com. Now that you have received the grant, or at least approval for the grant, I don't know if you actually have the money yet. But... I'm, st- I'm still working. There's still a lot of paperwork to sign. <laughs> How do you plan to use that money in Philadelphia? So the interesting part is uh, we sat down as part of this one. That, uh, I sat down with the engineers, the planners, and the grant writers. We're, we're going to begin the design for, for our streets. So we're going to be designing a lot of streets. The next round coming up, which I believe closes on July 10th, we're going to go in for construction funding and additional design for the next quarters that we're going to go for. And the way I look at it, it's, it's the same way I do my capital budget for the city of Philadelphia. One year I'm doing design, the next year I'm doing construction. That's the same way I'm, we're looking to line up all these grants is we're going to go for design one year and construction the following year. We're going to hold the feet to the fire of my engineers. The good thing about this is that there's deadlines, but we want to be very efficient and move fast. And since we already have guidance on how to do things, uh, we want to get as quickly as possible and then go in to get as many grants as possible from from both the federal level and the state level. Talking about the state level, I'm curious, what is your relationship with PennDOT and how does that affect the work you're doing? Uh, Do they call the shots on any of the roadways or are they primarily there as a funding mechanism? How does all that work? So the city of Philadelphia is a class one city, and by such, our rules and regulations are set by the Commonwealth. We can use that clause, but we don't tend to. It's a partnership. To us, it's a partnership. The city of Philadelphia has a partnership throughout the entire state. Our local district, District 6, it's a great partnership. We work together. We run ideas past each other. We tend to work with each other. We always uh, sidebar, especially uh, if you're looking at a development, a project like this, uh, where we talk to them about what the federal funds are. And a great partnership of that was we got $75 million. Forgive me, Bernie, if I got that number wrong. For Roosevelt Boulevard, one of the high crash areas in in Philadelphia. Um, But that was a partnership between the city of Philadelphia and PennDOT. 
we sit down on a quarterly basis with Penn Central, which is in Harrisburg, and we talk to them. And we also sit down with all the other cities, Pittsburgh, Harrisburg, Scranton, you know, Lancaster, just to talk to see how things are different, like what works where, what doesn't, you know, what necessarily works in Philadelphia doesn't work in Pittsburgh, but what works in Pittsburgh may not work. And so we, we tend to just bounce ideas off each other, get different views, and hopefully we put out a good product when we're ultimately done. Well, one way certainly that Philadelphia is different from Pittsburgh is just on the other side of the Delaware River. You have New Jersey. You've got bridges that connect New Jersey and Philadelphia. They're operated by a separate agency. What about the relationship and how does that affect the fact that you are bordering another state, that you've got bridges that are sending a lot of traffic into Philadelphia and also at times of day taking a lot of traffic out of Philadelphia? How does all that coordination work? It works pretty good. I mean, um, I got to say, and uh, I've been using this line since 2015, probably. It takes a Pope. <laughs> but no, uh, seriously, we're very fortunate that the Delaware Valley Regional Planning Commission, which works both sides of the river, has always gotten us together, uh, every transportation person f- from us. So we have relationships both, you know, in the Jersey side. So when there's an issue, we're talking directly. I mean, I call Sal across the river who runs New Jersey South. We work with each other. So we understand each other. And, and it's that those friendships that allow us to move traffic so easily in, in the region. Since 2015, you've said it takes a Pope. For those who may not remember, there was a papal visit to Philadelphia. Tell me a little bit about what that experience was like and how that became a regional initiative, if you will. It was quite interesting. Uh, it made us all think totally different. It made us all come together. The city of Philadelphia were a population of 1.5 million. Then during a rush hour, we could serve to 3 million people in the city. So, um, you know, we're used to handling that part. But uh, when the Secret Service came in and says, you're going to have 8, 9 million people coming in all at once, <laughs> uh, it's quite daunting for us that we were not expecting. So we all sat down together, New Jersey, Delaware, and Pennsylvania, and try to figure out how we were going to handle this, how we were going to do. Our transit agency was a big part of that because our goal was to create uh, as a no-drive zone in Center City. And we actually ended up fencing all of Center City, all Trump, so there were no cars allowed in Center City while the Pope was here. And we actually at times were had the interstate closed for hours at a time while the Pope was traveling back and forth from his residence to where the mass was happening. But it took a pope for us to work together. We have all those relationships still built. And it's amazing the things we can do now. Parade, when when the Eagles won, it was up just a walk in the park for us. Mm-hmm. We it's almost like we never never left the room. We we decided <laughs> that you know we were able to shut down the city once again and run a parade for the Eagles. I think the big thing that taught us there was the way we handle our transit system and the advantage of our transit completely changed. We created a, a no transit zone during the Pope where people were getting off in the outskirts and nobody was traveling in the trains while they were underneath center center city. Just made it easy. People had to walk. We didn't have a mass rush into one of the stations and uh, it didn't overwhelm the system. You may mention before about how you work with PennDOT District 6 for Philadelphia. They have a traffic management center, I believe, out in King of Prussia. Is there a traffic management center that you have in the city of Philadelphia that the city runs? 
We do. We do. We do. Again, it took a Pope. We build it. PennDOT helped us design and build it. PennDOT since now has built, I believe, the $42 million center, a gorgeous center. Uh, Philadelphia has five seats in that center. So we hope we can man it someday. And, you know, it's to work on a regional basis. We both realize that our common goal is to move goods and people, and, and we want to do the best job we can for that. And those those traffic management centers, how do they play a role in safety? Since we're talking about safety today, how do they play a role in terms of real-time management, and how does that impact safety for all modes of travel? Uh, we're operating it from 7 a.m. till about 6 p.m. in the city. We do take a look through our cameras where congestion's at, where we can modify timings. I think the advantage is giving us, is at least to the engineers, is we can modify entire quarters without the old-fashioned, hey, we're just driving, taking a look at the quarter. Now we're actually looking at multiple intersections all at once, and you just don't have one person looking at it. So at times, there's like four or five of us taking a look at a quarter and seeing if the time, you know, the implementations we did work, what worked, what didn't work, what do we see? And the traffic is very fluid now, I like to call it, as a guy who uses my Apple phone to drive everywhere to avoid congestion. You know, it's not the old-fashioned way of looking at a map. So things tend to change pretty quickly, and, and we tend to look at arterials more now. Like most cities, Philadelphia has a transit system. But unlike most cities, the trolleys that ran around the country still run in yes. Philadelphia. They run through those neighborhoods that you were talking about, and they run in the streets. How does that play into what you're trying to do with managed traffic, improve safety and things of that sort? And again, it's run by a, a separate agency, SEPTA. It is, but you know, we work together. Again, I have very good relationships with SEPTA staff. We work together in all our projects. And I like trolleys. Trolleys, uh, you know, they go at a certain speed, 15 miles per hour. So they definitely drive the the speeds down within the city and they, they help us keep traffic calm. We're also now in the midst of uh, trolley modernization. It's a project we're doing. Our trolleys are old or original PTC 1970 trolleys. They're not ADA accessible. And so we're in the process of trying to modernize an entire fleet. So I'm going to go from a trolley that's 35 feet long to one that's going to be close to 100 feet long. So this is quite a, a, a daunting task for us, especially in our small streets that have the tracks. Well, we started off this conversation talking about the grant that Philadelphia received from the Safe Streets for All application. About a month or so after this podcast is released, there is a deadline that USDOT has set for another round of applications. July 10th is going to be that deadline. With the experience that you have under your belt and looking forward, what advice would you give to other cities in terms of how they might craft their applications? What are some of the points that they should be including? What are some of the things that you found are important to include in those applications? Uh, come on, Bernie, you wouldn't ask a master chef to give all of his uh, <laughs> secrets, would you? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I think overall, it's just been a team thing in Philadelphia by us putting together our Vision Zero plan, our complete streets plan by working with the planning commission. All the planning was there for us and working together as a team it has been the key to our success. It hasn't been an I, it's been a team. And and we, we for some of those projects, we have involved PennDOT, our District 6 PennDOT, and our 
Delaware Valley Regional Planning Commission. So we, we tend to bring people in to help us make us a stronger team as we go in after these grants and, and try to get the most funding for the area. Well, we've been talking on this episode of ITE Talks Transportation with Richard Montanez. He is the Deputy Commissioner of Transportation in the Department of Streets for the City of Philadelphia. Richard, thanks so much for sharing your expertise and sharing your time with us today. Thank you for having me. I loved spending the time with you.